Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, Saskatchewan's sheep breeding flock is the fourth largest in Canada. There are approximately 800 producer members across Saskatchewan with a breeding flock totaling approximately 60,000 breeding ewes. Sask Sheep Executive Director Gordon Schrader shares more about the industry in the province and the potential for growth. Saskatchewan Crop Insurance paid out $60.4 million under the Forage Rainfall Insurance Program this year. Over 90% of the 3 million-plus acres enrolled under the program received payment. The insured area was a bit lower than the record set last year following the widespread drought of 2021. SCIC Acting President and CEO Jeff Morrow says about 80% of insured forage acres this year were in the very dry parts of the province. After the break, Gordon Schrader. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Gordon Schrader is the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Sheep Development Board. Gordon, what is the state of the sheep industry in Saskatchewan and do you see any room for growth? The size of the uh, flock in the province was really uh, growing well. We had lots of years of growth and then this last year, it's been a tough year for us. Uh, prices are down, demand, just the food economy is down, and, and uh, so the demand has been down somewhat. Uh, feed costs are still high, and uh, just a combination of the drought feed costs and land prices. So we've had some exodus from the industry uh, this this past year. Um, we don't know what that looks like yet, how substantial the the sell-off would be. Uh, we know there's some, but then we have other producers that have seen this as an opportunity to purchase more animals and, and increase their flock because we have had several good years of, of lamb prices. So, I mean, it's some getting out, some increasing, so we're not sure where that will uh, level off. But overall, the, the industry has grown the last number of years, and, and we're not anticipating a great drop, but there will be some. So are there still producers out there that are wanting to raise larger numbers of sheep? Yeah, we're we're seeing a trend in the last number of years where younger people want to stay in agriculture in some form, and, and uh, there's difficulty getting into a number of other sectors, just to the capital cost and the investment to get in. So we're seeing a really a, a substantial growth in uh, younger producers that want to stay in agriculture, investing bigger dollars, uh, buying unused big barns that are not no longer in use for hog production or turkey production or whatever. We're seeing these barns being purchased and turned into lamb production units. Um, we're also seeing a trend to um, more intense management methods, uh, lambing every month, uh, accelerated lambing processes where you know you goes on to a cycle of eight. Uh, eight months rather than the 12 months and so those flocks are lambing every eight months rather than the the 12-month cycle it was traditionally used and so uh, this is you know high management uh, and but they're investing because they want to produce as many lambs as possible we've also seen the introduction of uh, more prolific breeds in the flocks we're producing more lambs per ewe right now than we have ever in the past so even though our U numbers have dropped, some our production was uh, still rising. So uh, it's it's just a shift in in the, 
how lamb production has ha- has done been done in the past. We're still seeing the traditional production, but we're seeing, you know, a lot more advanced production units now than we ever have, and and larger flocks. I mean, 500 ewes used to be a large flock in a province. Now we're sitting at you know a thousand ewes. Lots of them. We have flocks in the province that are much larger than that as well. So. Fewer producers, larger flocks, uh, trend that's going on in other sectors as well. So what have sheep prices been like over the past few years? Previously, we had several good years. Uh, the last fall, fall of 2022, we saw a decline in prices, and it, which has remained. It, it, it jumped again in spring a little bit, but not what it traditionally would have, and that's just driven by demand, the consumer demand. Uh, this economy is, it seems tighter. Money is shorter, and so... Uh, lamb traditionally has been seen as more of a specialty um, protein, um, and but that is shifting as well. We're seeing, you know, lamb protein as being very economical now compared to other sectors as well. So there's a shift happening there as well. So again, this year we've experienced uh, lower feeder lamb prices, um, again driven by shortage of feed. Uh, we had producers that normally would not sell feeder lambs in in June, July, August that did this year uh, because of feed situations or cash flow situations. And so we had uh, excess of feeder lambs hitting the market during the summer months, which is uh, not good time for feeder lambs. Rate of gain is not great during the summertime, so there was few buyers that were interested in buying this excess supply of lambs, which drove the price down. And, and we're seeing some rebound this fall, and we're anticipating a rebound uh, moving into this more traditional lamb market season. And so uh, still very optimistic about the industry. Um, although costs are higher, we, we need to see higher lamb prices to, uh, to make the, the finances work. So we're, we're hoping for that. But I understand that Canada doesn't produce enough lamb to fill its own domestic consumption? We uh, import about 60% of what's consumed in this country, so we're only producing about 40%. And as the population grows, that number actually is decreasing, so we're probably closer to the 36-37% right now of what is consumed in this country. So lots of opportunity for growth um, in the industry. Uh, just we We need to have organized marketing structures in place that we can facilitate that and it's kind of a chicken and egg type of thing uh, we need more production to get some of these larger contracts and uh, and so until we get the larger production and organized marketing in place it's which comes first right and so we can fill contracts um, in some cases because we don't have a supply and we have too much supply for other contracts so we're growing uh, in the right direction, and we, we just need to continue to develop our markets. And finally, Gordon, what do you see as the potential for the sheep industry in Saskatchewan? Uh, you know, we see lots of optimism in the future of our industry. We have people to see what we're going through now as an opportunity um, to buy some really good stock, and they are expanding, and so uh, we push ahead uh, seeing that we only do produce 40% of what we consume in this country, so there is room for growth. And, and sheep play an uh, important role as far as environment as well. Like we're seeing more and more 
projects or, or grazing uh, situations where sheep are being used to control noxious weeds and, and uh, sheep being used to, uh, to graze solar farms and those type of things. And so we're seeing that opportunity grow as well. Um, we've had projects at the Dundurn Army Base here as well just for grazing. We have, we have lots of those opportunities. And so there we see opt- opportunity in the industry for, for years to come. Gordon Schrader is the executive director of the Saskatchewan Sheep Development Board. After the break, Jeff Morrow with Saskatchewan Crop Insurance talks about the record payout under the Forage Rainfall Insurance Program. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Saskatchewan Crop Insurance paid out $60.4 million under the Forage Rainfall Insurance Program this year. Jeff Morrow is the SCIC Acting President and CEO. Jeff, those stats really show the program was very responsive to the needs of producers, especially after consecutive dry years. I think what we saw this year in the forage rainfall insurance program is that responded to the dry conditions that our ranchers were, were facing. Um, and what we saw is that uh, 90% of the acres that were enrolled in that program program got some level of payment. And what that resulted in is, is just over $60 million indemnities, which is, which is a record for the program since, uh, since its inception. It is based on weather stations. There's, there's 186 weather stations that producers can choose to base their insurance on. And the, the claims are driven off of what happens at that weather station. And the program covers or pays, makes a claim or makes a payment when the precipitation falls below 80% of normal at that weather station that the producer chose. And there's a number of options that we provide to producers, and all those options have been built uh, working with industry in terms of what's important to them, and some of the things that producers can choose to tailor that coverage is a coverage option, like how much coverage breaker they want. Um, Obviously, they're able to pick the weather station. They're able to pick the weightings, too, right? So it goes from April to July. They can pick, based on their grazing setup, what month is the most important for precipitation. Um, They can pick monthly caps of precipitation so that we don't, you know, if there's a high rainfall event, they can cap it at 125 or 150% of normal. So a number of ways for producers to tailor the coverage to, to what they need for their, their operation. Now, there are many different ways to break down those numbers, but generally speaking, did producers take more than just the basic minimum coverage this year? You know, when we look at the, there's three levels of, of kind of dollar coverage. There's low, medium, and high. And I think, you know, about 60% took the medium 40% took the high in that range, or 60% were lower medium and 40% high. So we did see a bit of a, a spread there in terms of, of what producers did pick from. We did see a big increase in 2022, I should say. Um, that was the most we've ever had insured under the program. Uh, in 2023, it did back off a little bit from the high of, of 2022, but still you know, well over 3 million acres insured under the Ford Rainfall Insurance Program. It, a large portion of the insured acres is uh, as you said, in, in southwest and west central, approximately 80% uh, of the acres are in that zone. That's where the majority of our you know, native grazing acres are. And not surprisingly, that's where the bulk of the payments went. So that's where the bulk of our insured acres are, but that's also where um, we saw the driest conditions, unfortunately, throughout this growing season. 
Now, the payments have been sent, but is there an appeals process if the producers aren't happy with what they have seen with regards to rainfall amounts at a weather station, or is it just a completely final number? For this program, the the producer doesn't make a claim, all, like I said, based off of what the weather station uh, happened there. So we send the checks out if they're eligible automatically. There is an appeal process for all of our programs. Um, If the producer wants to go through that, that's available to, to all of our customers. But the claim is based off of what happens at the weather station. Livestock producers at five drought meetings that were held this summer asked crop insurance to add more weather stations to better assess rainfall, which can be extremely variable over smaller regions. Is this something SCIC will work on with producer groups this winter? Yeah, we we did hear that loud and clear. And the way we've evolved this program um, over the years has been by working with industry. So we will be working with the stakeholders in that livestock sector like we have for a number of years. And maybe I'll point to one, you know, a recent enhancement that we made based off of that consultation was after 2021, when we had the heat dome effect, um, we made a change where we precipitation if the daytime temperature reached 31 degrees or more. Um, And that was a a response to what we saw in 2021. And that did work um, in 2023 where we saw, you know, another $6 million paid out because of that change. So I think what we'll do in in the case of, you know, finding ways to make it more representative of what happened on the ranch uh, is continue to work with industry to see what uh, we can do to kind of reduce that basis risk, if you will, of, of, you know, the the weather station to to the land that the producers are insuring. I think what we have to do is is identify the kind of the, the, the biggest gaps, maybe, if you will, and look at what those opportunities are to close those gaps. And if it's weather stations, we're also looking at other, if there's other technology that can help us, that would be longer term um, down the road. Um, but I would say it's not a difficult process, but I think it's important to find out what are the gaps that we're trying to cover, work with our stakeholders again to see you know, what improvements should we invest in to make the program more responsive. Statistics Canada uses satellite technology for some of its uh, crop report estimates. How much of that technology is SCIC using at this point, and are there any plans to increase use of that in the future? That's one of the technologies that we're looking at. Um, right now, we aren't using it to you know, settle payments or make claims or anything like that, but it's something that we are um, working working with or working to understand the potential there um, and that may you know hopefully down the road as a technology that can help with that basis risk that I referred to before. Jeff Morrow is the SCIC acting president and CEO. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of September 4th, 2023. Russian President Vladimir Putin said a landmark deal allowing Ukraine to export grain safely through the Black Sea amid the war won't be restored until the West meets Moscow's demands on its own agricultural exports. Ukraine and its Western allies dismissed the Kremlin's demands as a ploy to advance its own interests. Russia refused to extend the deal in July, complaining that a parallel agreement promising to remove obstacles to Russian exports of food and fertilizer hadn't been honoured. It said restrictions on shipping and insurance hampered its agricultural trade, although it managed to ship record amounts of wheat since last year's alliance.
SAS Pork asked the province to provide support to hog producers similar to what was being offered to other livestock producers. SAS Pork Chair Toby Cheddar estimated feed costs increased by 40% over the past three years for all livestock producers, and pork producers are disappointed that the program does not include the swine sector. Cheddar says hog industry is facing a tough fall in winter, so the sooner support programs can be announced, it will impact Saskatchewan Sourheart. The province is making up to $70 million available to beef, cattle, bison, horse, elk, deer, sheep and goat producers to help offset extraordinary feed costs. A single plant that showed up this summer on the edge of a southwestern Ontario cornfield is cause for concern for Canadian farmers. Ontario Provincial Weed Management Specialist Mike Cowbro says the plant has been confirmed as Palmer amaranth. The species was previously dubbed the most troublesome weed in the U.S., but hasn't yet appeared in Canada in a significant way. Its only other recent known appearance outside of Ontario was by a couple of plants in southern Manitoba in 2021. Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association is calling on the Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley to put in the federal government's portion of agri-recovery funds. In a letter to the minister, Keith Day noted that the province recently announced their portion of the funding, which is $70 million. Day said some cattle producers are now in their fourth or fifth year of drought, resulting in feed shortages going into the fall and winter, and it may force some producers to sell some of their breeding herd in order to try and maintain the rest of the animals through the winter. He said producers need the funding right away as the continued depletion of the cattle herd will have negative consequences. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 98% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 4, an improvement from the previous week's 93% order fulfillment performance. The improvement in total reflects an improved performance for CN and no change for CPKC. In supplying 98% of hopper cars ordered on time in week four, CN saw performance improve from the 87% order fulfillment performance they posted in week three. CN's performance returned above the 90% threshold, having now achieved that mark in seven of the last eight weeks. CPKC order fulfillment performance was unchanged from the prior week, with the railway supplying 98% of shipper orders in week four. The University of Saskatchewan received close to $12 million from Genome Canada's Climate Smart Agriculture and Food Systems Initiative. The funding is earmarked for climate-related research projects focusing on sustainable and resilient agriculture with the overall goal of exploring innovative and sustainable solutions for Canada's food chain and agricultural production. Dr. John Bennett says the multi-pronged project will examine the benefits of species and genetic diversity in Canadian grasslands. Part of the research will also explore carbon sequestration in soils. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.